to the D's on fire podcast. Um, we got a double Duke W Wednesday women's team caps off their historic home stand, uh, for the season, having the most home home wins in, in program history from the women's basketball side of things. Um, and then on the men's side, they just, they took what didn't work against St. Louis and used it to make sure they could beat LaSalle tonight. That's how I'll phrase it best. They got destroyed inside the paint against St. Louis, and so they focused on destroying the paint tonight against LaSalle. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess, a revenge, a revenge game in, in that sense. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, late, kind of when LaSalle was hanging around for a little bit in this game, especially towards the end, but the announcer yeah, it was, said it every time. It was tied at halftime, but it – Right. Even like through the first half, it felt like Duquesne was clearly the better team. Yeah, yeah, and Williams and Reese especially, um, they uh, they took advantage of that the most, I would say. Yeah. Um, so Reese had a career night in points. Trey Williams, I think, ended with sixteen. While it's still technically going on, and I we both stopped watching. Uh, I. It brought me back to vibes of when Duquesne was playing their home games at La Roche. And it was just like, it didn't matter how good the teams were, just the energy there. It's just soul sucking. And that's really what it felt like at the LaSalle, LaSalle gym uh, from watching from home. I thought maybe it was just me because I, um, I was late watching this game and I was kind of tired from work today. I'm like, I don't know. Is this game just not that entertaining? No, it, it, it was not. Way. It was... It, this was like how PMT says the real warriors watching all the football action. This this was the Duquesne version of that, where it's just like this was the uh, the Texans versus uh, versus the Jaguars on on uh, Sunday one o'clock slate. Yeah, and it's not that these teams are bad teams. I mean, LaSalle's a solid team. They're they're a middle of the pack A ten team, and it's really it's really upsetting that they were. You see the seven and seven record, and we're eight and six. It's yeah. real, it, I, I don't know. I was personally upset when I saw that in the graphic. Yeah. Uh, hey, LaSalle was the hottest team in the A-10 up until tonight. So Good for us. Yeah. Um, we were now 9-6. and six. We're half, half game back as we're speaking on Fordham. They're playing tonight, so their game just tipped off. Um, and then, of course, it doesn't really matter who – like if we're a game back or a game up or even really the end of the season game against them is going to be the factor as long as nothing crazy happens. Um, so it's, it, it's a solid win. St. Louis game is uh, probably where we're going to touch on the most uh, time-wise in this one. I feel like we talked a lot about LaSalle to start off. We might as well just do it. Yeah. Let's, let's finish let's LaSalle. Start LaSalle. Let's start, let's, let's start off positively. Yeah. Um, well, I, don't, I mean, this is the most negative positive game we could talk about. That's true. Uh, it's the ref, more positive. It was a total ref show, um, on both sides. Like, there was just so many ticky tacky fouls. 
I, I mean, LaSalle was in position to get charges, but man, they were flopping like crazy to draw them. Um, and the ref were by was on the, the wrong end of those. Oh, I felt yeah. bad for him because I, it, I just hate these college basketball charge charge calls. They drive me insane. Yeah. Um, the refs need to realize like, oh, you mean if you blew on him, he would have fallen over? Okay, maybe not call that foul then. Like yeah, there's... and like when when McGriff passes the ball and he hasn't had the ball for two full seconds, runs into somebody, and that's still a charge. It's like I don't know what you want him to do. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of not knowing what you want him to do, Kareem Rogier's first two fouls. I I have no idea what they want. The first one, I really don't know what happened. It. So I replayed that actually. Uh, this was like where the announcer. This was in the second half. Yeah, the announcers and really didn't know what was going on. They never the, got the ball. The ball, I think, hit the top of the backboard, so it was called out of bounds. He, um, he, he extended his arms and pushed the guy in the back a little bit. It wasn't a big push, but it was enough where if you extend your arms like that, well, there was a big delay between that happening though and them actually calling it too. Because I think only I, one guy, one guy saw it, and everyone I, else, I, I don't know. But that—that's I replayed it, and that's what happened. With the the amount of delay, I the thought second he one's more something. more curious to me. Yeah, um, there was there was a foul called uh, whoever was carding Trey Williams, like kind of shoved his face uh, trying to oh, get that, a rebound, and then oh, Trey yeah. pushed him, and the announcers only saw the push. Um, yeah, and they didn't admittedly, see an elbow in his face. Yeah, like admittedly extended elbow. Admittedly, live, I I was with the announcers, and then I just hit the 15 second replay part, and I was like, oh yeah, I, I see it completely. Good call. Yeah, that, that's all it took. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's the advantage of watching from home. We get to just press that replay. Like, oh, what did we just miss? It is really nice to watch on ESPN Plus, and I was late to watching this game. Was able to catch up during halftime and stuff by fast forwarding. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's nice. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, we touched on the bigs dominating. Trey Clark and Day Day Grant kind of had rough games. Both had four fouls and got pulled a little early. Um, Tech fouls again. So. Yeah, and Trey, I feel like Trey's just progressively kind of gone into a little bit of a funk offensively. Um, but it, I mean, that's it happens. He's he's just got to bounce back. I don't know if it's he needs a mental break or what, but um, he's. I think he's, maybe that had something to do with he he. I don't know if you noticed he didn't start the second half. They they opened with R.J. Gunn um, taking his place. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't think too much of it. Like he's like you said, he's hasn't been playing his total best. His def his defense. He's still working really hard he's had some dumb fouls occasionally but that's kind of what you get with the way he plays defense so not totally worried about it yeah like you said in a funk probably just in a funk um and these numbers are not updated because i didn't update them but zach weiss shout out to our our non-official contributor to this show pretty regularly um he gave me updated plus minuses of the teams going into today's games uh, from men's basketball standpoint, the A10 conference leader in plus minus is RJ Gunn, plus 82. Second place, Quincy McGriff, plus 66. Third place, Day Day Grant, plus 53. Fifth place, Kareem Rogier, plus 43. Tevin Brewer next at plus 39. And Jimmy Clark, 
plus 28. And then Joe Reese and Trey Williams both were plus 27, plus 22. And then everybody else after that was kind of like barely, barely breaking it or negative on the year. Um, the biggest surprise, Matu Sronsky, minus 14 in conference play. And minus seven on the year. I like with how with how we've watched him play just from our with our eyes, I can't believe that. He always seems to at least be a, ne- a neutral at at worst. Yeah, that 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 is shocking. I I would I would say it's not more shocking than RJ Gunn leading and Quincy, Quincy McGriff I'm not too surprised about. I I would think he's high but I wouldn't have guessed he's second. Yeah. And um, we can get into that uh when we talk about St. Louis. That that's why I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, both of those two guys had ridiculously hot games where that was com- like we'd completely dominated. And RJ Gunn, his dominant game against St. Joe's and Quincy, the GW game. So those those games definitely racked up huge positive numbers for them. Yeah, that's a good point. But on the season, the leaders, Day Day Grant, for the plus minus for the men at plus 165. So non conference, Day Day <laughs> was just absurd. Uh, because that's what plus one, plus one twelve in non-conference play. Yeah. unreal. Um, RJ was second still, and then Quincy McGriff third at plus ninety two. So it wasn't just co- that. That was a couple games. Those guys were pretty consistent. Trey Clark jumps up to fourth at plus eighty eight when you include non-con. So, um, and then Trey Williams and Joe Reese are up there as well. I think the the overall team reflects better in the just total season. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a larger sample size, but I think that more accurately reflects kind of the value of the players because it's top eight players. There are the top eight guys that get minutes really on our team. Aside from Austin Rotroff, who, I mean, he's only plus 14 on the season, but he's a, he's a necessary component when he's on, on the floor. Yeah, it's a little surprising given I know how great outstanding his, analytic his, numbers his, are. his advanced yeah. stats are. So his advanced stats are through the through the roof. So I guess it just has to do with the minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, end of game where you're putting the guys off, clear in the bench, Rotroff's more, most likely big unless it's Dixon. Um, so – that adds to it too. And I think that might have, have an impact on Ronsky's numbers as well. That would be my guess. Um, I actually thought he might get some minutes tonight, but he's still, he's been nursing a lot of things, whether it's injuries or uh, sickness lately. So yeah. Um, he was in street clothes for St. Louis, right? Yeah. 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 Street clothes Davis. <laughs> no, just, just kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, from from a full picture, the guys team, it's still it's still good vibes. I mean, somehow they didn't lose that St. Louis game by much, despite playing terribly in most just about every facet except one uh throughout that game. And the one was the three point shooting, which hey, I, I mean said, I said going into these games I'd be happy going one on one, you know, yeah. with, with both of these away games. So I'm I still I still think that. And I, the, the the St. Louis was tough because you know we could have won. It was it was a close game, but you know one and one that was the goal for me. Yeah, and you and I texted back and forth on like the or I think we texted. It might have been tweets that I was making 
Um, <laughs> one that that's a fake Twitter. Whoever you're tweeting with, that's, that's no, no, that's it, it wasn't tweeting with you. It was tweet. <laughs> it's either the only times I talk to game basketball, I'm texting you, I'm DMing Zach Weiss, or I'm tweeting into our our account. That's really it. Um, so, uh, yeah, the obvious fix seemed to be we just need McGriff out there for Brewer or Rogier because they were getting beat by whoever they were guarding uh, down low. They were just consistently bullying our smaller guys and getting to the hoop, which, I mean, 70 points inside the paint. 70? So we're going to St. Louis. Okay. All yeah. Right. You couldn't you couldn't hold it anymore. No. <laughs> um. Yeah, let me pull up some of the stats. Yeah, so like you said, 70 points in the paint. Um, if you would have told me, that Duquesne shoots 52% from three. Not only a good percentage, hitting a decent 15, amount of shots. 15 threes, which is six above our average, and we're already an elite three-point shooting team in the A-10, and you lose that game. That's very, very hard to do. We shot 45% from the field, a good percentage. 70 points in the paint is, like, absurd, and um, – Here's another like way to, to spin it as well. They scored 90 points, right? 70 points in the paint. Okay, that leaves 20 points. Another 15 points came from the free throw line. Yep. So five points. Well, they made the one three that shouldn't have counted, but they made they... one three, and then they had <laughs> uh, the mid-ranger from Yuri Collins off a of pick and roll. I remember it specifically. It was a, that was a very tough shot. No, it wasn't because uh, – I'll I'll tell you why because Brewer got beat on a like a wraparound screen like dribble handoff, and that's the mid ranger that that I'm referring to at least. Maybe it counted as in the. I thought he was around. I thought Yuri. Line. I thought Yuri made one towards the end of the game with day day like highly contested shot, but no, the one I'm thinking of is off of Brewer um, lost lost Collins. All right, well. I was and thinking. I remember, I'm only. I said it because I I rewatched this game, and um, this isn't this isn't good tape for Brewer. Let's just let's just no. put it that way. It's not good tape defensively. No, I mean I, it. Would... I have written down seven, and I don't want to pick on him too much because this is kind of what we we know about him. Like he he's just size wise, he just is at a huge deficit, and this was a bad matchup. Well, I mean, we had him on Jimerson, who's like a legit three size wise yeah and yeah that's not that's never gonna work yeah and across the board it was a bad like st louis was big everywhere even collins he's not a huge guard but he's not he's he's got no but he can use for a point he, he uses his body well he is he is one of the best pure point guards uh in conference ever i mean he's he's got the assist record i think for a 10 play yeah. Yeah. um so, and he, it was, I think that part of the reason that we played bad defensively is our key strength defensively is creating turnovers and we could not do that against St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, Okoro, Okoro, I will say this, when Trey Williams was covering Okoro, he made it very difficult, but then St. Louis somehow adjusted to realize, oh, Okoro just get covered by somebody else and then we'll feed you. And that worked out flawlessly for them. 
Yeah. Um, he was he was good. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I don't know the analysis in this one is so tough because the I offense. Just, I, I have I have I think I wrote too many notes. I think that's that's that's. Well, you go, you go through the list. Let's go. Uh, okay, so we we went through the points and the pain and all that. Um, Brewer, like I said, got beat a lot. Um, and for him to be covering Jimerson for a lot of the game like was mind-boggling and if you if you when I rewatched when Day Day was guarding him or Trey Clark was guarding him he was wasn't nearly as effective and some of those layups that um Jimerson made they were just he just out muscled him like just straight up Brewer was still like he was in good position but because he's the size that he is he just can't, can't do, do anything. anything about it yeah which is so you brought up earlier that I was at the and towards the end of this game, we kind of had a chance. It was a three point game, and uh, Joe Reese tipped the inbound play, which was that was kind of crazy. But Brewer was still in the game on a defensive possession, and which didn't make any sense to me. It was Brewer and Rozier in the game, yeah. and no, no Quincy McGriff. Yeah, and I mean, you you texted me that this is this is something where you can point to Dambrot sticking with his guys maybe a little too much instead of adjusting to the situation yeah i think just matchup I, I i like brewer a lot i think he's a really smart basketball player on the offensive end makes pretty much he makes the right correct decision every single time i trust him with the ball in his hands but on the other end of the floor it's just it's a clear it's it was a clear, clear efficiency yeah yeah and quincy mcgriff has the not only the size but he's pretty good moving his feet um defensively so I, I i don't know and we you you let it off with the plus minus numbers like that that doesn't shock me he led the the uh the game for st louis and plus minus for duquesne plus 11 yeah um i mean when he's when he's on the floor at the start of the season he was our point guard when rogier was out or not rogier is out uh brewer was out yeah so like he his skill set is absurd with how big he is to be able to be a, a point guard on offense, that just shows how how mobile he is. And you you lose you lose kind of the the smart decision making, but he's not. I'm not saying Quincy McGriff is a bad decision maker. I'm just saying Bruce, right. I mean that's, that's that's his best quality. And you're not losing a, a lot of shooting. I think Brewers he's probably between 40 to 45 percent three point shooter, but McGriff is a good 37 to 38 percent three three point shooter. So you're not losing a ton there um yeah it was just something that stuck out to me a lot especially towards the end of the game yeah um trying to think if there's any other major things that i had the, on, the only the only adjustment that i saw from dan brown in the second half to to fight that bro lack of size with brewer when he was on the court was he would sometimes switch if there was a pick and roll between day day's man and and brewer like the three guards you basically switch one through three yeah um, which i don't know if that was really all that helpful because that kind of just again you could just target yeah target exactly it. like yeah. it and it happened in this lasalle game there were a few times where I, th I remember vividly i think it was in the first half where brewer got switched on to a big and a pick and roll he's defending the guy in the post and all he could do is just foul him because he can't 
like he was alone on an island out there. Yeah. Uh, no, we get we get a few days off now before our next game, uh, Sunday instead of Saturday, uh, against Davidson. So that they'll they they already bounced back from that disappointing defeat. I was a little worried because we looked a little banged up at the end of the St. Louis game. Um, I mean, it was a physical battle, not not as physical as the Bonaventure game, and definitely much more on on brand of like basketball with the offenses just dominating, um, but. Yeah, Day-Day especially scared me with how he was hobbling around after trying to make that diving save to keep us in it. It was. It was fantastic. Couldn't believe that we had a chance at all. And then it went from what great hustle to, oh, my God, that could be the season if he was seriously hurt. (laughs) So it's just like, don't ever do that again, Day-Day. That that reminds me. That's another thing I wrote down. Uh, And they said this on the broadcast, and I've – I felt this way when I was watching it live. And then when I rewatched it, I didn't realize how bad it was. Day Day didn't take a shot in the second half until the 935 mark. Okay. And he was so, he was hot going in. Into, oh, yeah. He was hot in the first half. Yeah. So, him not taking a shot for a quarter of the game. And I, I, and I felt in the moment he wasn't getting involved in the offense enough. Um, and he he's, he had he still had twenty two points in this game. I mean that's that's a that's a smaller yeah I was gonna I have with it, but I mean ten ten full minutes and no day day shot when it's hot. I get it, but at the same time, the offense wasn't wasn't the issue in this one. I mean, I know, we, but I'm just I, I don't know that I know I don't know that was just like because I think in an NBA sense where the best guy on the floor on your team should touch the ball every possession, almost every possession. Yeah, that, but that's not how our team operates either. Like we, we all try to get. He was, he was specifically hot in this game, though. I know he was. I, I was loving perfect, every second he was of perfect it. Perfect from three in the first half, or close to it. it. It's as if he knew they put up the wrong picture for the starting uh, starter graphic, <laughs> and he just took it personally. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, shout out, shout out to St. Louis for making Day Day Grant a white guy uh, in the starting graphic. I got a text from somebody who's like a casual Duquesne fan this year, and he was like, "Is Dante Grant white?" And I was like, "No, no, he is not." That's like one of the blacker names I've ever heard. Dante Grant, <laughs> um, great name. Yeah, I uh, that was one of the first things I said when I when I I think the first episode I did with you. I'm like, Dante Grant. That that's a great fantastic name. name. Fantastic name. A star name, really. <laughs> Um, oh, and man, I was talking about Zach earlier. He already texted me the updated women's plus minus uh, for the, on the year. Um, Are you paying this man? I mean, God, I'm not. <laughs> Pittsburgh Sports Now is, and he's he's doing a great job for them. Um, I also caught him in a in a replay from today on a Meg McConnell layup, where he is he's uh, part time cameraman as well, and he was catching it perfectly. But the the video cameras also caught him perfectly, so <laughs> sent him that snap. Um, yeah, from the women's side of things, the past two games in particular is pretty obvious. It's it's the Precious Johnson and Megan McConnell show. Um, I t- I texted you the stat line from Meg on Saturday, Saturday Sunday, Saturday Saturday it was Saturday yeah Saturday it was because it was a double it was a double Duke game. 
I was riding high and then the St. Louis game just crashed my night. Um, so that was fun. So far for your undefeated, uh, play. yeah. Yeah. Well, that you, you rode the high. That's for sure. I There's definitely no doubt did. about it. And man, you did it ride, ride it I crashed going hard <laughs> Saturday night. Could not tweet out much at that point. Um, but yeah, Meg uh, had one of the most absurd stat lines I've ever seen. 23, 18, and 8 uh, with just shooting efficiently. Like it, it, <laughs> She didn't put up a ridiculous amount of shots, and she hit a dagger to close, really close out the game, a dagger three to ice it with about a minute and a half, two minutes to go. And then I find out after the fact, I was at the game, and TJ McConnell was there uh, somewhere. Nobody saw him, but everybody apparently found out afterwards that he was there watching um so i was did he in a box or something or i think he was there i've never seen the boxes he must have used. Been. i've never seen the boxes used during a women's game and the mcconnell family always sits in the same section and they weren't sitting in that section in the game i noticed it so i think the mcconnell's got like special privileges to be in the suite because tj was there which oh, i mean understandable oh of course completely understandable you roll out the red carpet for that. <laughs> um yeah so she she and, put on a show yeah uh and the first quarter in particular our entire offense basically was Meg McConnell I think we had 13 po- of the 13 points she contributed to 11 uh of the first 13 points between seven points and then two assists uh so it was just her completely dominating the first quarter second quarter Precious Johnson who's our, our sometimes starting center sometimes off the bench big uh has just been on fire she had 20 21 or 23 points tonight she had 18 points on saturday it's it's nice to see because she she has a lot of potential but she was missing a lot of shots earlier this year and it seems like she's got a groove back um the women's team's playing their best basketball just at the right time and you'll be able to see them i found out after our last episode they switched it back. It is now all the games are played at Delaware. So there's not oh, a cool, first. Cool. Yeah, there's not a first home thing. But Duquesne will probably get a bye based off of how they played the last two games. So when, because that, that's coming, that starts next week, right? Yeah, I think it's Wednesday to th- Sunday. So like the Duquesne. So is their last game Saturday or something? Uh, I know today was their last home game. I think their last regular season game might be this weekend. Um let me see. And then the, uh, yeah, St. Joe's Saturday. So they're going to be in Philly. Oh, yeah. I, I wonder, they're probably going to come back, but that's logistically kind of a nightmare because you could just stick around and then just make the shorter trip to Delaware. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they, They've got a chance to get 20 wins if they beat St. Joe's or if they just win two games in the conference tournament. They're at 18 and 10 on the year. Um, yeah, you'll get to see them live. I'll, I'll get to hear your reactions to the team. Uh, I hope so. The, I, have, um, I have a potentially packed schedule this first week of March, so I'm hoping oh, no. the day that it falls on is, it's a gonna day, be. is a day that I'm available. So. All right. Um, yeah, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I was trying to tell um, somebody how like ridiculous Megan McConnell's rebounding stats are. How tall is she? 
She's five. She's listed as five seven. Probably like five 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 six, but a point guard who's yeah. not who's not five ten or or taller, getting eighteen yeah. rebounds. Yeah, and I told she had eleven at halftime, and I I taught Zach like came back. He's he was taking pictures like the whole game, but he came back at halftime. I was like, Zach, I'm telling you, she's gonna get more than fifteen, which is her career high. She's wow. gonna do it. <laughs> and then uh, Amaya Hamilton did not give her proper shout outs. Uh, she almost she had the quietest near triple double of the season. Um, I think think it was fifteen eight and eight, uh, which like she she really started scoring in the fourth quarter. Like she just kind of was the closer role in this one. And to put it in your perspective, this is the Ben Sim like early on Ben Simmons esque player who like was good offensively still. To, and she can shoot the three. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Ben Simmons averaged 15, eight and eight. So yeah. Yeah. This is, this is she, and she just, she took over towards the end of the game tonight as well against Loyola Chicago. So that's, that's a great role for her. Um, she's great defensively throughout the whole game. And then in the fourth quarter, she just picks up when everybody else is tiring and works out well. So I don't know. Dukes might be finding a groove. I hope so. Hope so. Hopefully that rolls into into Delaware. Yeah. Um, so, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll have two NIT teams this year. Maybe we'll have two NCAA tournament teams this year. A little harder to believe, but hey, <laughs> it's possible. It's a lot more possible than we were worried about at some at many points during the season. Yeah, I think uh, I subscribed early on to like TeamRankings.com, and uh, I think they said. For the men, at least, it's like a five to seven percent chance that they make the NCAA tournament. That's that sounds kind of high to me. That's that's higher than many other times in UK history. I don't I don't know if we've had a higher one since we've been at school there. Um, so yeah, that's it's pretty pretty good. Um, I feel like the women's team deserves a lot more credit uh, and and talked about, but they like it was another kind of. It was close for a while, but then it it was similar to the LaSalle game where it just felt like they were always the better team and it was just a matter of time before the score reflected it. It's and weird how these good wins are, just are, mirrored. Are, are weird to talk it's about. Still, like the records are slightly different now, but the teams just seem to keep such similar things going on. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It was the the saturday game against richmond was probably the best i've seen the women's team play as a complete unit this year um so it when i say they're clicking at the right time it it really does seem that way uh offensively they seemed a little i'm going to say robotic uh in the first quarter aside from meg and then uh zach mentioned it in his article and dan commented on it in this post-game press conference it was like they they caught caught music and they started like getting into the the rhythm of the game and it just it really lit up the entire offense at that point um lauren wasselson has also been a big addition lately she was struggling shooting which was her strength coming into this year she had a lot of injuries that she had to come back from in the past three games she's shot pretty pretty lights out had a, a huge component off the bench, which, I mean, I talked about earlier this year. 
I was worried about because we really didn't have that. She's providing it. Um, so yeah, it's all the things that we needed to happen has been happening on the women's side to get getting the team better and better. And that's that's a big deal for tournament style back basketball, like the hot the hot team going in, into tournament play. That that's a big advantage. Yeah, I mean the the stereotypical picture is is that Kemba Walker UConn Huskies where they were like one of the worst Big East teams in the country, and then they just got ridiculously hot. Yeah, I mean the how the how UConn won with Kemba and Shabazz Napier, both very mediocre. mediocre. Yeah, it, it's it's wild to think back on. Um, so who knows? Might might have another NCAA tournament run in us. Um, from the guys' side of things, I'm not too worried about Davidson. Davidson did win tonight, I believe. Uh, yeah, against the Bonnies. Um, and they beat St. Joe's. But for the most part this season, they've got two main main players on their team, Foster Lawyer and uh, I think it's Sam Meninga. I know Meninga is the last name. I think Sam's his first name. Um, but there's not really like dynamic athletes on their team. And I feel like we we are very good against teams that don't have those athletes because then our team really shines because we have so many of them. Yeah, and that's that was kind of the I felt like St. Louis had a lot of athletes, Okoro especially, um, Jemerson with his size and mobility. So yeah, that does sound like a pretty good matchup if they aren't like St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Um and then And I didn't do a preview for Davidson because I we had two games to talk about and Davidson's not that great. So Yeah, and we do get our rematch attempt against UMass. Uh right before our next podcast drops um it's rj luis is back and playing well the rest of the team seems to have hit a bit of a uh a stumbling block i don't know how to how to put it they're they're all they're not all slumping but they definitely haven't been playing as well as they did against us um earlier well, this year that, that doesn't make me feel better because luis felt like he single-handedly beat us so. that's true that's true, but they I don't feel necessarily better about that. <laughs> they got their they got their uh, doors blown off by Dayton tonight, and then they beat. I'll, I'm going to go through their last few games to try and make you feel better here. Okay, so all right. We're, yeah, we're, go, we're that, going going back to the beginning of February. George Mason beat them seventy to fifty nine. The George Mason team that we just manhandled the whole way through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Feeling better. Yep. Davidson, who I just talked about, doesn't really have athletes, beat them 93 to 78. Oh, God. Fordham then plays UMass 77 67. LaSalle, who we just dominated, won 86 to 72. Loyola. That, that, is, a, that is really surprising. That is Loyola Chicago, who is bottom of the league, won 64 62. What is going on? And then UMass rallied to beat Rhode Island, who is bottom three in the league uh and then they got crushed by Dayton in their rebound game from the from their one win this month so <laughs> I I really I, think I do that feel better but I am confused they <laughs> do they, feel they, slightly more confused at we were their time. last game in January and then they fell apart after that I don't understand it and yeah, I am I am nervous just because it's our luck that they'll bounce back and just have a great game against us well, that that was kind of. I feel like that was 
the peak of um, Duquesne's like not being able to find their defensive identity. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, so that 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 I would say maybe they and call I w- us at our worst. Um, you could say, especially in conference play. So yeah, and again, and I'm I trying will... to talk myself into more confidence, which I should. I mean, we can definitely beat them. They're they're definitely beatable. I'm not that scared, but it is weird. It's just it's just weird. Yeah, and we are playing at home. It'll be our last home game of the year. Uh, so I think, I think that's we'll. That's true. That's a that's I a think, that's a big deal. Yeah, and the game this weekend on Sunday against Davidson is the Chuck Cooper Classic, uh, or we'll be USA on USA Network. Network. Everybody, it's on yep. USA Network. It's probably going to be pretty packed because they're doing discount tickets where it's two for fifteen dollars, so seven dollar fifty tickets as opposed to eighteen dollars for general admission. Um, are you going to that game? Uh, I bought two tickets. We'll see if I I'm able to get the free time to actually go. Um, okay. We'll see. I had I had credits from last year's. I was a young alumni season ticket holder, and uh, the George Mason home game got canceled, so they had like credits carry over to this year, and okay. I was able to use them for the two tickets for that one. Um, so we'll we'll see if I'm actually able to go, but there's a chance. Fingers crossed. And then. Basically, all next week after we go through the games is going to be focusing on Fordham. That's that's a hundred and, and seeing how the women do. Well, we'll be previewing, I guess, the women's tournament. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, so we might have we might have to do two podcasts next week, depending on like when yeah. the women go out. Like if they if they make it all the way to Sunday, we're recording a, a Sunday podcast. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> No doubt. Especially without football taking up any of our Sunday time. This is this is the this is our version of PMT's NFL playoffs. Like this yeah, is, this is it. This, this is, is the grind right here. Yeah, this is this is what separates the the peasants from the greats. There it is, and we and we are gonna solidify ourselves. We're gonna be somewhere right above peasants, right above. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's too much more I, we need to talk about. Um, the one I think, thing I one uh, thing I will say about the plus minus that Zach sent over to me, and Zach and I talked about this when we first did it. Meg in conference was uh, particularly low on the plus minus, and also the backup point guard was pretty low on the plus minus up until two games ago, um, which is crazy because there's never another point guard on the floor. And there were other players that were positive. So it was just nuts to see that the point guard position was floundering when we had some guards who were like Tess Myers was a plus 10 and Meg was like a minus seven. And it was just like, you're both playing the entirety of the games, basically. I don't understand how there's this big of a difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some, some, I don't know. Sounds fishy. Yeah. Sounds fishy. Oh, and that's another that's aspect. Sad, though. That is that is another aspect of the uh, her dominant performance. She played all forty minutes. She never she never came off the floor. So just again, like the the best performance I think I've seen from an individual player on the women's side of things. Um, That's why you can't read entirely in, into stats. I try. Yeah. I, tr- I I find myself get I I catch myself reading too much in, into the stats sometimes and not like using my eyeballs. I like when my eyeballs and the stats are in sync. Right. That's, then that's then when, the team's that's trust when things are clicking. 
Yeah. Then you think, oh, these stats might explain things. Right. And then when they stop working, it's like, never mind. Right. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still pretty high on the guys, even, even after that St. Louis defeat, um, we're probably not going to get, I still think there's a chance, like there's still, uh, for third, or is that like I think there's still like a two percent chance, but it would have to be like uh, St. Louis co- totally collapsing. Um, which Fordham has to lose tonight. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, no, it would have to be St. Louis loses out, and then we just beat Fordham in the last game. Still, like that. That would we'd have to win out. St. Louis, I think, would have to lose out at this point, and then it doesn't matter with Fordham. We have a tiebreaker against them. Um, but most likely we're going to be the Flint Tropics playing for fourth place at the end of the year. So, but Hey, exciting game. Well, we're kind of looking forward too much to just the four game. game. Well, Hey, we, we did touch on Davidson next. We did. We did touch on it. I like our matchup against Davidson a lot. Yeah. And when I've liked our matchup a lot against teams, it's typically panned out pretty well. Um, and then UMass, we'll focus on that game. We will. Uh, yeah, I think there will be a sense of they they remember how poorly they played that game, and they'll there will be that that'll be a revenge game, hopefully for for the guys. Yeah. Um. So, till next time, folks. Hopefully, we'll have one, two, three, three more Duquesne W's to talk about next time we talk. And uh, yeah. It'll it'll now, be a great. Now group. we're gonna go undefeated. We're gonna we're gonna now, go undefeated. Now we hit the stride. Yeah, that's I right. One, I was one game too early, folks. <laughs> yeah. Now we hit the stride, and you're the one that said it, not me. So no, now now I'm saying it. This is go time. This is all right. Time. Let's go, folks. Go Dukes. The Dukes are back, and I was trying to rise up. Rise up. Rise up.